in a series called Living a Mission. And what we've been talking about is the idea that um, uh, you, our church has a mission. If you look on your worship bulletin, it's right there on the back. It says to reach our neighborhood and surrounding communities with the love of the Father, to restore lives to healthy relationship in the Son, and to respond to a move of the Spirit. And that is our church's mission. And for the first three weeks, we talked about that a little bit about how we do that and what we do. But the, the point of this particular series is that you also have a mission. You're here for a reason. God has placed you on this planet. You're, you, you have a reason for your carbon footprint, okay? And so we've been talking about all those different things. And last week, we asked ourselves the question, what do you want? Like, what, what do you want in life? And, and then we talked about how Christ is the fulfillment of that. And this morning, we're going to stay on a similar topic, um, but we're going to be looking in um, the book of Romans, okay? Now, today is Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, so we're going to make this really fast so that we can get out of here. <laughs> Jesus came down, okay, as the Son of God. He died for your sins, and then he rose again. Let's pray. Lord, we are good. No. <laughs> I've got, some, uh, I've got some ribs in the smoker right now, and I'm really nervous because nobody's monitoring them. Uh, but anyway, I love Super Bowl Sunday. It's one of my favorite days. Uh, I joke that I like it more than Christmas, but I'm not really joking because Christmas is super stressful, but uh, Super Bowl Sunday is like perfect, and I love football. Like, I love all football. I could go watch peewee football. I can watch any type of football. I, I, I love football, okay? Now, I understand that sometimes, you know, there's a pushback, okay? So, you know, I realize that football's not perfect, okay? There's, you can get concussions. But I saw someone on Facebook today got a concussion getting out of their car. So uh, you, can, you can get a concussion. So that's bad. Their, their collective bargaining agreement isn't really fair to the, to the players. They can get just let go at any time, kind of like me. And... Um, and, and off they go. So I understand that part. But there's a lot of things about football that I, I really, really, really love. I, I, I love the teamwork. I love the fact that you stand at a line and you've got to figure out what the person on the other side of that line is going to do in just a split second. I just, I just, I'm just enamored by it. And then, uh, and same with the T, if you're on defense, you, you've got to figure out right when the formation comes in, they call it schemes. You got to figure out these schemes. And there's nobody who does this better than my man crush, Tom Brady, okay? Now, hold on, hold on. I knew I was going to get this kind of reaction, okay? I got tough skin. I understand. I understand that a lot of you uh, think Tom Brady is actually the devil himself, okay? And Bill Belichick is even worse if that's possible. But I just, I just like, just hear me out. Every single day, those guys go to work, and they do their job. As a matter of fact, that is the Patriots' uh, slogan, do your job. I cannot tell you how many times in my life that was the thing out of my mouth. Just do your job. Now, you again, whether you like Tom Brady, and I, I actually got a picture. I, I don't... Um, I'll, it's tattooed, like, I don't know if you could, no, it's, it's, it's not. Uh, I actually have a picture. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick don't really do photo shoots, uh, but I, as a hardworking pastor, when I knew I was going to talk about this in the beginning, I do my research, okay? I research the Bible, and I research pictures of 
football player. So I have the only picture of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick posing for a picture. There it is. You got Bill Belichick with the hoodie on the left. And then, you know, wearing the helmet is Tom, okay? So there, I just thought I'd do that. So yes, I told you I was going to tell you who I was rooting for for the, for the uh, Super Bowl, and it is the New England Patriots, and I'm proud of that, and so there we go. But you're saying, now how does this have anything to do with the Bible? Well, one of the things that, just in, that is incredible to me about, about football, or really any like, hot, like really top-notch athlete, is you've got to be... committed to the goal. You've got to be 100% committed to the goal. The New England Patriots have one goal. That's to win the Super Bowl. It's not to get to the Super Bowl. It's not to make it through the playoffs. It's to win the Super Bowl. And they make their laser focus on that. And lots of other teams are too. They're just not in the Super Bowl. So, um, anywho, uh, you can send all your complaints to cece at livingspring.com. Okay. So, you, you, like, now, now imagine this. I mean, they will make decisions on what they eat, when they eat, when they train, when they sleep, all these things for something as dumb as the Super Bowl. Why can't we apply at least some of that to our own lives? When it comes to our marriages, when it comes to our friendships, when it comes to our relationships, relationships with our kids, maybe, relationships with our neighbors. What if we could see life through the lens of, I have a goal. Now, last week, we talked about what your mission is, and your mission is to be like Christ to everyone you meet in every situation you come up against. Now, I know that sounds daunting, but here's what the Word of God has to say about it. It's actually possible. But oftentimes, we get distracted, we get sidetracked, we get... um, 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 maybe we get a little nervous. What is this going to cost me, okay? So what I want to look at this morning is a section of scripture, and the first one, the first kind of scripture we're going to look at, you should take a picture of it, write it down, put it on your fridge, put it in your car, put it in your cubicle at work, or your forklift if you drive one of those. Just get it in front of you. You can memorize it. It's very, very simple. And what it does is it lets me breathe, okay? The guy who wrote it is the Apostle Paul. Type A, driven. He's done more by the time he was 35 than we've done in our whole lives. He's planted churches. He has a list, this one list, where he starts talking about, ah, yeah, I was shipwrecked twice. I was beaten with rods. You know, I'm just like, wow, I was in a long line at Starbucks. Does that count? You know, know, all these persecutions, these things that he's done. He planted many churches. He wrote half of the New Testament, okay? This guy, this guy was like hardcore. But watch what he says. (laughs) This is just great. Memorize this. I do not understand what I do. (laughs) Have you ever been there? I do not understand what I do. Here's what's going to happen today. I, I already know it. I'm going to, I, I'm not, I didn't eat breakfast, and I'm not going to eat that much lunch because I'm waiting for my ribs to get done. And when they do get done, and my chips, and uh, my macaroni and cheese, I will tell myself, okay, just three ribs, okay? Just, a li- just go easy this time, buddy. It's okay. It's not a competition. Okay, there'll be leftovers. You can have them tomorrow, and I will start eating. 
And at the end of the day, I will go, I do not understand what I do. <laughs> like, why, why do I do this? You know, why do I, why do I, I do not understand what I do. But think about this. This is the Apostle Paul. What he's saying is that, and we'll, we'll see this, he just drills this home. That oftentimes, when we get sidetracked or we're not laser focused, we will begin to get off track. And we might even fall into the same rut over and over and over again. I do not understand what I do. And he goes on. For what I want to do, I do not do, but, ha- but what I hate, I do. Just so you're prepared, there's going to be like 40 do's, okay, in the next few verses. But think about that. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Isn't that true for you? It's true for me. I really, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, I really want to work out, okay? I want to. I mean, I want the results of working out. Yesterday, Lisa took me to her gym. So I go to a separate gym, and I just get on the elliptical machine, and I read articles in Spanish, and I just like kind of go, and then it tells me like I burned like some crazy amount. It's broken, okay? And so, so I, I get done with that. She goes to a gym where like people are yelling at you. They're telling you to do stuff and do it faster and you got this and all this stuff. And I was like, whoa, 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 hold, hold up. Let's just, do you have an elliptical machine, okay? I brought my magazine. I'm like ready to go. And Lisa, as, as she is like cute and petite and all that. She is a beast. I am so sore right now, right? She's like, she's just like, come on, big boy, let's get going, okay? But, and, and it's like, and so, like, when it comes to my health, like, the stuff I want to do, I, I want to eat right, I want to exercise, I don't do, and the stuff I, I, I don't really want to do, I, I want to be in good shape, I, I do, right? And this is what Paul's saying. And we could go, you could go down the line, maybe for you it's finances. You don't want to spend it, you want to save, you really want to save, you want to have a retirement. But man, Amazon Prime is just like right one click away, right? So this is what he's saying. Now watch who he says. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Turn to someone and say, sinner. No, don't do that. I'm just joking. (laughs) What, What Paul is trying to say, he's not letting himself off the hook. He's not saying, well, it's not me. I got this sinful nature, and I, you know, what are you going to do, <laughs> right? This is not what he's saying at all. He's identifying the fact that we're broken, that we're sinful, that we're going to struggle. He's identifying the fact that there is a force within us that is battling against what we really want. The longing of our soul is a deep relationship with your heavenly Father. That's the longing of your soul. But these other things get in the way, and that's what he's talking about. He's saying, there's this sin inside of me. Now, I want to let you in on something real quick. I'm not going to have a thing for you to do at the end of this sermon because we're going to hit this really hard in our next series Liar, liar, life on fire, okay? We're gonna hit all these things hard about what does that sin look like? What is this tension between wanting to have this deep relationship with our Heavenly Father and trust Him for everything and then yet this other side of us that 
wants to do what we want to do. So that's what Paul's saying. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but the sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. I would imagine in a group this size, uh, we probably run the gamut of things that we know is the right thing to do, but we're just not doing it. And the the opposite is true. We know we're not supposed to do something, and we're doing it. That is because we are sinful, okay? Now, I know that paints a horrible picture, but it gets worse. Um, Now watch, he says, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. Now if I do, I told you there's a lot of do's. If I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Now you're saying, why does he keep saying the same thing, right? We've just gone through like six verses and they keep saying the same thing. The stuff I want to do, I don't do. The stuff I do, I don't really want to do. And I've got this sinful nature. It's because he wants us to understand to be focused, to let us know, listen, this is going to be a constant daily battle. Here's what he says. This is so great. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Now this is such strong language. And we don't really like to use language like sin and and evil and all that kind of stuff. But what Paul's trying to get across is, is kind of going back to my football analogy. Once that play starts, the quarterback or whoever has to be fully aware of where everybody is at every single time because if you don't, you are going to get lit up. (laughs) If you're not paying attention, if you put your head down for one second, if you look up at the stands and wave to your mom, whatever, you are going to get smoked. How much more? How much more? When we step out of our front door tomorrow morning, when we step into a relationship, when we step into a conversation, when we, when we, when we uh, get onto our computers, when we get in our cars, how much more do we need to be aware of the evil that's right there next to us? I'll tell you one thing. I never think about that. I never think about that. When I was going through this section of scripture this week, I was like, man, I've got to Keep this in the back of my mind. It's right there. My propensity to do the wrong thing, Paul is saying, is just like that. It could come at any time. And so we need to be cautious. We need to be aware. We need to understand what's around us. How, what, what are the things, what are the buttons that, that get pushed? Or what are the triggers that we have? And all these different things to know, man, it is right there. He goes on, he talks about this. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. He's saying, you know, Paul Paul memorized much of the Old Testament because he was a Pharisee and that's what you did. 
And so, and then he ended up writing, like I said, half of the New Testament. And so Paul was uh, immersed in the Word of God, both in his actions, in his conversations, and in his writing, and in his memorizing, and all that. He was immersed in it, and he delighted in it. But he says, but I see another law at work in me. Look at this, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. We don't want to do. Because there's a stress or a tension or there's a need to try to get away that we might run to something that isn't necessarily good for us. And that's all part of this idea that we're, there's a war being waged in our mind, this prisoner of the law of sin at work. And then, then he says this. This is so amazing. What a wretched man I am. Like, this is, this is horrible. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Like, so far, what I've mentioned to us, what we've talked about, has been kind of depressing, you know, right? It's like, boy, there's evil right next to you. You could, you, you could, you could be done at any time. Sorry. Have a nice day. Enjoy the Super Bowl, you know? Uh, or, the, you know, you're, 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 you have sin that you need to work, work through. So Paul's kind of driving this home. This is horrible. What are we going to do about it? And then he writes this next sentence. And I wonder, as he was writing uh, this letter to the Romans, what kind of was welling up in him? Yeah, I wonder sometimes what he was thinking of when he was thinking of, man, the things I don't do, I... I, I, you know, I do, and you know, you know, you you wonder. I wonder what Paul struggled with. You know, he's the Apostle Paul. I never think he'd struggle with anything. But he was, he's writing that out, and he's going over it again and again and again and again. Going, man, there's just these struggles, man. And then he he writes out, man, what a wretched man I am. Who's gonna save me? And then he writes this. Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is so encouraging, and here's why, on twofold. It's encouraging on the one hand because it is in fact the Christ's death, burial, and resurrection that does deliver us, even when we do the wrong thing. It's what, what the Bible calls justifies us, and, and justified is kind of the corny little slogan you can remember is justified, never done it. Okay, that's what, that's what justified means. It just means it's paid for. So your sin is just to be paid for, is just to request away to God. Say, Lord, I, I accept what Christ did on the cross. But there's something even more than that because I think sometimes as Christians, we get so caught up in like, heaven or hell, where, you know, where do you go when you die, and all that. We miss the kingdom of God here on earth, that yes, our, our sin can be paid for, and we can be justified, and we can spend eternity with our heavenly Father, and that's going to be amazing. But tomorrow, we got to go to work. <laughs> tomorrow, we have to go to school. And so, when Paul writes this, he's writing it in two ways. Yes, there's, there's one kind of justification way, but the other thing when he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord, this is how we get delivered from this dual thing that goes within us. We become more and more like Christ. We begin to allow God control over all of our areas, not just the big ones. 
when we talked a little while ago, a couple weeks ago, on uh, the idea of broken window theory, right? Like how do you get rid of like these big things in our lives? Well, we start with the small things and, and, and we, we don't um, do that to build our way up to the big things. It's like that's, that's how you get rid of the big things. You just start small. You start with the things, the little, the kind of trash that's in your mind or whatever um, or, or the broken window or whatever it is and you begin to repair those small things and it has a big effect. Well, the same is true as we become like Christ. What, what were some of the things Jesus did that we can see and model and begin to see like, wow, in the process of being like Christ, I, my body is really being delivered from sin. And, and so you look at some of the things he did. He, 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 he got up early. You know, you don't have to get up early to be like Jesus, but he would go off oftentimes to a place to pray. And so he, he would go and, you know, he'd find a, a, a lonely spot. Now, for him, that had to be in the morning because uh, he was so popular at times that if he was out, you know, in normal daytime, he'd just be packed and he couldn't, he couldn't get away. That's one little thing we can do is just get up maybe or just before we go to bed and we just get away to be alone with God. The other thing Jesus knew, knew, knew the Old Testament super well. New Testament hadn't been written. Well, it was being written while he was around, you know, James, I mean, uh, Matthew and uh, John are like writing notes and stuff. Uh, but... Um, so he knew, he knew the word of God. It was embedded in him. But the biggest thing, and, and this, is the, this is just blows my mind, it's not the fact that Jesus, his crucifixion was that painful. I, I, that, that's, that is bad, okay? It's that every single thought that entered that guy's mind was held captive. He understood that evil was right there with him. And he understood the importance of the kingdom of God. He understood that the things that we go, that go after us, the stuff that allows us to, to do the things we don't want to do, I, I can just imagine if he had a slogan, it would just be, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I would rather have this connection with my heavenly father than have that damaged in any way. It's not worth it worth it. And so when Paul writes these things, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Um, he's, he's talking kind of in dual ways. He says, so then, I myself, in my mind, am a slave to God's law. I am a slave to God's law. But in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. So he's got these two Things. In my mind, I'm a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, I'm a slave to this. And then, out of nowhere, comes one of the greatest verses you'll ever read in the Bible. Because if you're sitting there, like I was this week, looking at that, you think, wow, this is kind of depressing. Is there any way to get past this sin? He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives, what's that word? Life. Has set you free from the law of sin and death. Becoming like Jesus is really living. It's, it's the life that you were supposed to live. And you say, well, John, 
that's, that's great and everything, but Jesus doesn't go to my school, okay? And if you went to my school and you met the kids I meet, uh, it's really, really hard to be Jesus in that situation. Or uh, Jesus wasn't married to my spouse. And if he was, he would understand all the trials and tribulations. You know, or, or Jesus, uh, um, you know, he, he, he didn't have the friends I have or whatever. Now, the only person who can't say that is anyone who's single, because he was single, and he knows what that's like. So. Um, but, but, he, but this becoming like Christ is actually life itself. And so what I wanted to do was just read. I'm not going to have it on the uh, board, but I just wanted to um, read this section of Scripture that is so awesome. It's out of Galatians, and uh, it says this. It, it puts t- these two worlds right up next to each other. So I think one of the reasons why Jesus would say oftentimes, it's not worth it, it's not worth it, it's not worth it, is because he truly understood these two lists, if you will. And Paul wrote this as well. Here's what he says. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Oh, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, again, is he talking about heaven? Yeah. But he's talking about the kingdom of God here on earth, you are going to miss out as you allow that sinful nature to have its way. You are going to miss out on the kingdom of God. And so, in fact, when you're at work, you'll miss out on what it could be like to be able to see your work as something different than what you do. You see people different than as you see them. See the people at school. See your friends. And he goes on. Because we, we talked about it being life. But the fruit... Of the Spirit. Allowing the Spirit of God into every single area of your life, this is what it produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Watch what he says this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, uh, against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep step with the Spirit.